0: Holy God, we come before you again this beautiful morning. Beautiful, Father, because of the scenery. Beautiful beautiful in situation because of people. People of the living God that we can worship with, that we can come together and seek your face with. But most of all, beautiful because of the rich flow that is coming from you into our hearts and speaking to our Consciences and speaking to our our very hearts and nudging us upward towards you, Father. We just pray that you would be here in very uh, strong presence this morning. We just pray, Father, that you would melt away all of the discomforts, all of the fears. All of the comparisons, all of the anxiousness of spirit, all of the uh, just the fear that we're not getting everything that you're wanting us to get and just help us just to relax and let the rain of your word just pour down upon us and saturate us and lift us to higher planes with you. We just pray that you would be with with me this morning in this session, that my lips would only speak the very will and heart that you have. Thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> You probably remember the first day when uh, I made some kind of mention about uh, higher ground and uh, could we raise the bar, and, and I, I was sort of surprised, I was so encouraged because it seemed like just kind of erupting up out of each of you was this, amen, and uh, I'm sure that's still how you're feeling this morning. Well, we'd like to claim a little bit of that higher ground this morning. But we have a dilemma on our hands because our world is telling us that this topic that we're getting ready to uh, talk about is equivalent to uh, eating your vegetables when you're a young child. It's one of these things that in the Christian walk it just goes with the territory and we kind of grimace and and we kind of struggle against it and we wrestle but this morning i'd just like to encourage us before we uh, as we go into this topic i'd like to encourage us to take off our glasses in a sense If you are wearing these glasses, and let's put on a whole new set, and this is, I'd like to take this from obligation over here to opportunity, and we hope to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Now, I've titled this uh, message, Beloved, Now Are We the Sons of God, and you're probably thinking, well, what's so bad about that? Well, I'd like to put this parenthesis here, and it says love not the world. My handwriting is just pathetic. So as we get started, I'd just like to go to... Uh, and Anthony probably didn't know we were going to use this verse, but I was so the Spirit, isn't it a blessing? As he just just weaves this thing together. And we just we're just nurtured from every side. We're pricked over here and poked and nudged and 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 encouraged. And sometimes that thing I just that thing I needed it just come out almost as a side comment, like Brother Joe said, the, the comment on the clock. And the Spirit just comes in there and He just does something in our heart. Okay, let's read uh, 1 John 3 and verse 1. And I'd like you just to kind of catch the spirit of this. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the very sons of God. Therefore... The world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. It's a privilege. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. This is going to get better. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Discipleship. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus. This, brothers and sisters, is a grand opportunity. And that's the glasses I'd like you to put on this morning, because I think this is something that if your generation is going to rise up to a new level, we're going to have to be done with lesser things. And we're going to get to put on these glasses where we look at Jesus Christ and we say, Can I come into your image? Can I rise to higher ground? And we'll find here that that's actually His will. In fact, it's His command. Okay, now let's turn to the second chapter and the 15th verse. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father. It's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, now, get this, abideth forever. So as we're kind of tossing this thing and the expense of this thing that's going to happen... We all woven in here are these blessed promises. And a a part of faith and a part of belief is grabbing onto these things not as Christian concepts, but as shortly to come to pass realities. We get to be like Jesus. We get to go where He is. We get get to be called the sons of God. And a whole 2,000 years of prophets, men of God who, who wrestled with God, who God called, and, and, and they listened to Him, and they obeyed in faith, and the Spirit was upon them as we've been hearing, and they longed to look into these things. And even John the Baptist, with all of the power of his words, and his call to repentance, and all the glory of, of seeing multitudes come down into the stream, and, and being baptized, And Jesus said, yet He was the last of the prophets and the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than He. Brothers and sisters, we have a tremendous privilege to not be of the world. Why would we want that anyway when you get to thinking about it? And yet when we get out there on the front lines, there's all kinds of confusion to this issue. And let's just let brother John lay this thing to rest this morning. Okay? And we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No looking back. And then we look back. We say, oh, really? Do I have to do that? Oh, I think you're grasping at straws. You're slicing it too thin, brother. You see what's going on here? Okay, let's turn down to the uh, 13th verse. We just want to quickly go through these references as they are in these, these circles of, of, uh, of that John weaves throughout this chapter of different uh, subjects together. We're kind of extracting this out and want to talk to, about it today. 1 John 3 and 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. You see... We're not of the world. We're we're going going to get into that in a little bit. In fact, we'll just go to 1 John 4 and verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, he says. You're of God. And have overcame them, come them. Because greater is He that is inside of you that we've been hearing about than he that is in the world. What a privilege! What an opportunity! They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. 1 John 4 and verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. It's called redemption. It's called rescue. Get us out of this mess, Lord. And why do we want to go back there? And and, and I think it's uh, uh, Galatians... In another discussion, but he says he calls them the weak and beggarly elements. (laughs) I mean, come on. Can we get excited about being separated unto Christ? What an opportunity. And verse 14 excuse me, the only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Okay, verse, 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 4 and 17. Herein is our love made perfect. This ties back into yesterday. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, So are we in the world. We'd like, if I can remember, we'd like to end on that note, because tomorrow we're going to go witnessing, and incidentally, this type of witnessing is brand new to me. But I can't wait. I'm among some tutors. I'm a student. But you see, as he is, so are we in the world. And do you want some any confusion? Do you want to be dragging stuff in there, over there, wherever we're going? And, and 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 preaching something. You know, John, uh, Paul talks about another gospel, and I wonder if we can just make that practical. You see, we're we're in a very very challenging world, and I, I just submit to you that USA of America, or US of, US of America, USA, is one of the most difficult places to thrive as a Christian. That may sound strange to you when we hear the tales. You know our Christian brothers that may lose their lives today are praying for us because they're afraid we're going to lose the faith. And as young people, I just just want you to get excited about being in Christ and all of the promises in Christ. And this is one of the privileges we get is to be separated from Unto Him, separated from the world. 1 John 5 and 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith ties back into day one and yesterday. That second commandment. That believing that this is actually a holy possibility. And we can do this, brothers and sisters, by His grace and by His power that we've been hearing about. Who is He that overcometh the world? But He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's go down to the 19th verse. And we know that we are God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. You know, I just tell you, I just get so weary. In fact, I get a little more passionate than that. I get aggravated. I get disgusted. And it gets back to what we talked about on, on uh, Monday, that, that in Him is light, and there's no darkness at all. But we step over the line into the kingdom. And then we drag our feet. We drag ourselves into obedience. And we, we have this tasteless obligation. <gasps> and there they go again. Tell me I need to do that. Instead of this glorious and rare. Beloved, now are we the sons Of God. Let that sink down in there. And and you know. Sisters. I'm sure you know this. But this this includes you too. Daughters. But we're all the sons of Adam. We're all men. men In that sense. What we're going to talk about today. uh, Brother John. Michael has been showing us this diagram and this thing I get this feeling this things about ready to explode as he's been laying the foundation for <laughs> some pretty exciting stuff but I think he's going to be focusing on the inside circle and what we're talking about today is the outside circle and they're both they're they're both a part of this now I would just like to uh, I, don't, I tried to think, and I should have had this thought through earlier, but I don't know how to explain this. I'm just going to draw a square. It's pretty boring in this thing. And let's say that uh, our God is over here. There's probably better ways to describe this. And the world is over here. And we're on this journey and we come into this glorious thing called the Church of Jesus Christ. And I realize that Christ is at the head of this and He is God and we're not that, that far away. And there's, I, you know, there's probably a lot better ways to, to describe this. But I want to, as a part of these new glasses that I'm giving you as a souvenir for this class, that you could take home. you got to do it in your imagination, so it's going to take some discipline. But as a part of these glasses, um, you, get to, you get to discover uh, uh, a reality of this opportunity. And what the deal is, is that we're in here, we come into the body of Christ from the world, and we're really excited for a while as we are experiencing... The joys of salvation and of, of rescue and of peace with God and with um, just the amazing, you might call ourselves the blushing bride. Really? I get to? Lord, be with you. It starts wearing off, and here's what happens is we start focusing back here on this line. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you don't, let me explain this. This line here is the, what we call the line between the world and, and the kingdom of God. And I'm amazed at how much energy is spent in the Church of God trying to argue exactly where this line lays. Where, where you know. And we haven't even we we haven't even got started, brothers and sisters, because there is I'm convinced and this. First, uh, we first read it talks about us in the, in sonship, but I want to take this analogy a step further as he does it 's not an analogy it 's a reality that we are the bride of Christ, and we get to come closer to Jesus. we get to be separated unto him and I, I, and just like in marriage, I am just convinced that most of the struggles that happen are still the same problem. We're back here trying to decide exactly what's mine and what's yours and where my rights are, and we have not realized something that God has given us. This is so exciting, I just can hardly stand it. (laughs) That as we submit ourselves one to another, and as we learn to become one, in heart, in focus, in commitment. That God, it's kind of like an onion. He just keeps peeling off layers. And we get to another layer and we say, seriously, we get to go here too. And He just keeps doing it. And I'm convinced that the world is not long enough, the time of the, the vapor is not long enough for us to get to the bottom of the onion. Just in a natural marriage. I think that ground can go so far, and and I just want to use that in the Church of God to as we as I'm encouraging you, you know, we said that we want higher ground, but most of the time we don't even hardly know what that is. But like Brother John Michael says, it involves the will. There, there's a part of that that involves the will. And I I would just say that it involves putting on these glasses and as a part of the I have decided reality of Christianity, it's running towards God and counting every single thing that He tells us as the most glorious opportunity that probably has implications of blessing and joy that we that we, we, we don't even we can't even see we, we probably won't get to the end of it's kind of like that onion you know I think that's why he says he that will save his life shall lose it it's these people that are over here uh, you know you know I, I, I'm, I know I'm over the line just you know come on challenge me I I'm I'm saved, you know, and and they're they're saving their life. I'm not. I don't want to. God be the judge on all of that. But so much of the time, when we're when we're playing over here in this zone, we are not. We don't have the mentality. This is where we are extremely susceptible. To this issue that we're talking about this morning, worldliness, worldliness becomes our main struggle in life, and I'd like to just put this thing to sleep, brothers and sisters. Now we're in the flesh and we're going to deal with the world, but conceptually, are the glasses, purpose of heart, daughters of Zion, warriors of the gospel, higher ground, brothers and sisters, let's go. We do not have to live down on that level. We do not have to grovel there. I'm not, we're going to face the world every day. Don't get me wrong. We're going to be challenged. We are never delivered entirely from this body of this flesh until that day. That glorious day. And 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 it doesn't matter. I praise the Lord for testimonies coming out of this group. You know, I've been clear and free for and keep it up. Don't I mean grab that lever and shove that thing forward full speed ahead, Holy Ghost. I'm in with all and, and be that. But be very careful. Be very careful. Because we get into this thing where we, we, we start quantifying and counting and, and, and we need to be trembling. We need to be understanding that at any moment our flesh is still flesh. An old minister there uh, that used to preside, he, he, he would say often, uh, in my flesh I'm capable of the darkest sin that humanity knows. And he said, I always keep that there in my mind, the reality that, it, that in, in a sense he was saying that God is the power here and I've got to stay humble and we've we just got to realize we're in the flesh. And the world does. So I don't want to, to negate that principle. But I just want us to get the idea that, hey, we've got to get away from this line over here. We've got to quit splitting hairs. <clears throat> couple references I'm just going to read them from my notes Second Peter 2 and 20 for if they for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning serious uh, warnings to us 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, we'll read through the 18th verse. I think Brother Joe may have went here the other evening. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I would like to put that, the context of that I will receive you in the sense of, of His smile upon us. And will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty. Folks, this isn't just high standards. It's a relationship issue. I'm going to read to you a parable, and I wrote this parable um, about four years ago, and I used it in a message called uh, "Glorious," or, or uh, was it? Uh, yeah, Glor- "Glorious Separation," I think it was. And the, the essence of the message really was the, is, was the essence of what we're trying to get across today, that, that, uh, that this is very exciting. I just want to read you. This is the parable of three brides. Yeah. Sophia Righteous is the first one. She's a self-absorbed girl. She seemed to shine in courtship, but primarily because of what she received. Somehow it is her realization of what she always deserved. Her wedding is simple but beautiful. But it is to her primarily the ceiling to herself a position as a good housewife. As the years pass, she keeps an excellent house. She puts on good airs in public. But somehow she's absorbed and obsessed With her impeccable ability to be a good wife, but her husband hardly knows her. In fact, he knows that she wears submission and reverence like jewels in public. You ever seen someone like that? It's pretty disgusting. When she is approached by another regarding her love and her loyalty to her husband, she defends her performance. She's taken his name. But she uses it as a seat on which to perch. A position in which to glory. But her focus rarely lifts above her own interests. Has Selfia discovered and released herself to the divine design for a heavenly marriage? Don't believe so. Bride number two, Vanity Fair. She's a beautiful girl, though one really wonders what she's like beneath that carefully fixed appearance. She seems to manipulate her relationships for her advantage. She likes a good time. She likes to be the life of the party. She's very careful not to be at odds in any way with others in position of prestige, advantage, or high esteem. Her courtship is more of a performance than true love. She wants a husband, but really what she wants most is a husband that will make her look good. And provide a very good life for her. The wedding day is out of this world. It's designed to impress the best. She is stunning to behold. And the world nods its head in smiling approval. Her husband is really just a prop. As they settle down to life, she spends much time poring over catalogs of luxurious living. She dreams of other homes bigger and better than theirs. And she spends a great amount of time in front of the mirror. Her focus is to be noticed and adored. She has great difficulty in overcoming the temptation to appear, mind you, as if she is an other man's wife. That's a strong temptation for her. She has taken her husband's name but it is her key to his checking account. It's a way to beautify herself, to pronounce herself married, all the while she busies herself with luxury, covetousness, and loose, hilarious, and even illicit relationship with others. Vanity seeks for fulfillment in the name of marriage to her man but has become a repulsive example of a wife with an adulterous heart, a gross violation of the divine design for heavenly marriage. Bride number three, we're going to call chastity aglow. Once she thought herself pretty, but one day she realized she is a poor and homely girl. She discovers she has no hope of marriage relationship of her dreams. But then one day, a gentle young man comes and knocks on her door. He isn't much to look at. That's what Isaiah says. But their courtship is beautiful. And her acquaintances noticed a distinct difference in her. A glow that they hadn't noticed before. Her wedding is embarrassing by most standards. But her face, it's a study of pure bliss. Neighbors shook their heads as they observed their marriage. Her husband seems to impose such strange standards on their home. But they're definitely in love. She's always there by Him. And often if you look, you'll see her just gazing into His face. Enraptured by His love. Because it is apparent that 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 seems to be what she clings to. It's her purpose in life. She lives as if there is no greater joy than to serve Him. As she does, respect and reverence for Him seems to radiate from every molecule of her being. Her last name is in a joy in which she basks and rests. He is to her a Savior, a lover, a Redeemer, a friend, a husband, Wonder, wonderful, her counselor, her confidant. Chastity has discovered by setting her heart on her husband by full release the glorious fulfillment of the divine design for a heavenly marriage beyond her highest imagination. Brother Grant talked about those ladies and men wandering about in sheepskins and goatskins. And you know what it says there? Of whom the world is not worthy. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this thing is big. It is worthy to separate ourselves into God. It is worthy to love not the world, neither the things in the world. It is exciting. It's worthy. And that worthiness, that glory, I'm going to tell you, when that day comes and our eyes begin to to open wide and it begins to dawn on us, even those of us who have preached the word for years about the glory of this thing. And it's like, Seriously, we did not even catch a a fingernail of this thing. All through the ages of eternity. World without end, it says. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, I want to be in that thing. All in. And I don't want to be playing on this line over here. I want to be running towards Jesus. And I want to be doing whatever He says. I don't care what the world says. I want to be weird if that's what he wants me to be. Because my face, I want to be glowing with his marvelous essence. That's what I want. <clears throat> now. in our culture we have direct applied pressure to this sheer point I'll call it of the world and the church I want to tell you today That I'm just going to bear my barest heart out before you. And you better hold on. Or I better run or something. And I want to tell you though. And I want this to be very clear. We're talking about exponential opportunity. And I want to tell you. That if any of this. Has anything? If if you detect that they're, you know what I get sick of? I get sick sick of this discussion. Well, they thought that they should be doing this, but they don't understand where they're at in their walk, and they need to just. I mean, they ought to be glad that they aren't just doing that. And and, and there's a measure of truth that, that the. I wish I could have. Spent a little more, should have spent a little more time yesterday on the fact of what makes that, that second commandment so glorious is the mercy and the essence of Jesus Christ. He's full of grace and truth. And when Judas was stealing out of that money bag, he was just as much in, 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 in the. Jesus had so much care and mercy for him. And when Peter denied him, and He knew He was going to. And He knew all of this stuff about Peter. Yet He got down and took those sandals off and washed those feet. And that's Jesus. You see, that's what we were trying to get across is that we, we need to abide in Him so that we can, we can show Him. And that is a tremendous... Actually, it's it's in tan, It's it's the spirit of Christ, and that thing we heard just that that thing reproves. I I I thought it when um, Sister Sarah asked her question. It's an excellent question. And the first place I went, my mind went to First Peter three. After I sat down, I, I should have got the question a little better before I tried to answer it. But in that context, it's talking to a wife, and it's saying. Uh, You just keep loving and loving and caring and loving. And I can't get the exact wording, but that's going to it's 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 going to move it's going to move something down in there. Can't get sidetracked with this, but I just want to us to understand that I want to talk about some hard things, kind of. But hopefully you've got your glasses on and you're going to just be jumping up and down. Okay, let's go back in here. Verse 16. Verse 15, first of all, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we want the love of the Father. We want to be in full tilt with Christ. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and it shackles us and it crimps us, and it makes us look like two of those brides that we don't want anything to do with. What we want is to, is to, to set our feet on higher ground. I've, I think there's two kinds of Christianity. The one says, what do I need to do to get in this box? What do I need to do to get in here? And then you go shopping until you find the place that you like let you do what you want to do and then you jump in there you hope there's another kind of christianity and it says i want god and what is in my way lord and and lord and brother please show me and 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 we read the word of god and we read and we say yes and that's belief and that is the kind of faith that is obedience that's the kind of faith that god honors So we've got lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. I'm going to specifically mention some things. I want to talk about modesty a moment. And I want to say this that this goes to the sisters. And the brothers. I think so often that the modesty pressure. And there's good reason for this. That the emphasis is over here. Because it's more of a direct pressure. But I think we we forget brethren. You know. I don't know. I just have this picture of Abraham. A man of God. Or a. Peter there, or Brother Paul, Apostle Paul. And I think that there, I think when they left the room as they were walking away, the sense of that that was a man of God gripped you. And there was nothing to distract from that sense. You see, when we're in this outer circle, and, and we know this, we talked about this yesterday, I'm just going to go over this again. A man's eyes are made different than a woman's eyes, in this sense. And the female form is extremely, I, literally, if, if it was the size of a, a period on the back wall, this is how it is. And you your subconscious mind caught the shape of the female form on the back wall clear wave over there. You could be doing something else, and there's something in a man's makeup that stops. And just it's just like you and and praise the Lord for the spirit. I mean, and actually, this is this is a gift. This is part of the beauty of of when this is sanctified, this is a very beautiful thing. But I just want to make this point that that you want to be sisters. You want to be daughters of the King. And you want your face to be glowing. I think Paul Washer said it like this. His wife said that she wants to be dressed in such a manner that she is so modest that the only thing that the eye is drawn to is her face from which radiates the glory of Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? But the pro- a reason I want to bring this up, and you may, you know, we've just got to keep these glasses on. I, I'm worried about, you know, condemnation here. But just please, look at this as opportunity. Because I think what's going to happen is we are going to step into a whole new platform, a whole new level of exciting walk with God in this. I'd like you just, just to think about... Um, uh, dressing in a manner to which you are undisputably shapeless. And then I'd like you to consider some of the wars. I'm talking to the German Baptists now. I'm telling you, brothers, you're going to... This is a strong medicine. <laughs> but, you know, there was a war between Capes Out and Capes In back Several years ago. And what i have interested. in We're talking about the cape dress. For those of you that. Um, don't know what we're talking about. And. You know it was kind of a ridiculous battle. In some senses. Because we all know that that doesn't actually deal with the. Issue. But what I've noticed. And I'm sorry I may be simple. And I may not be getting something. But what I've noticed is that. Now us over here. The holy ones that don't don't have the cape in, the cape's got to be out. I'm sorry. Don't have the cape out. The cape's got to be in underneath the sweater. And then these sweaters do all kinds of things. I mean, all kinds of things. And I'm really struggling with the fact because I think maybe that the issue isn't out or in, but I think it must be undisputably shapeless. I, I, I'm sorry, brother, sisters. This, this is the this is burden of my heart. I'm just laying it before you. And it may be one small thing, but here's my concern. If we're standing over here justifying and we're causing somebody to stumble, I, even if we're clear here, we're looking here. That's my concern. And when we get these new glasses on, we want, to, we want to be removing obstacles. We want, to be, we want to be running towards Jesus. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 11 about the woman shall have power on her head. And I think a part of that, I heard a preacher talk about it's undisputable that a woman has power in her body, but I think if we're going to veil ourselves, sisters, that we want to completely hide, completely diffuse the power in our bodies because we want to be sanctified. We want to be we want to be we want to be running after Christ. We want to be completely in him. Men, lead the way. Be a man of God. Let's do it. Let's be careful what we how we dress. Let's be careful the cut of pants and all of this. I mean there, this shapeless thing is is not confined to the women. You know, do do you um there's there's brethren uh, uh, convicted that, that we should only wear long sleeves because the masculine strength, the, the muscle is, is um, it's appealing. And our sisters, you know, they might, might not be... I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of out of my zone here. But, but, you know, we need to be careful. I'm not saying that I... I'm, not, I'm just saying love not the world. Let's get out of the flesh circle. And let's make sure that we are not just out of that thing, we are purposed out of that thing. And this thing of the lust of the flesh in our world is very serious. I want to talk about music. Oh boy. Our home is very conservative on our selection of music. There's a reason for that. But even in that, I want to take this even further back than that. Music is intended to be worship. And what we have found as a family, when we're doing dishes, and we're listening to the Eshes or the uh, whoever, the Kaufmans or whoever, beautiful godly families, Harmonizing and singing with them. But you know what I've noticed over time is that our music selection from the time where we started using music about six years ago till now that almost all that we sing is the Eshes and the Kaufman's and that little, you know, whatever, eight or twelve or fifteen CDs. That's our Our worship suddenly has become... And what else is sometimes it doesn't seem quite right to wash the dishes without putting something in. And what happened to our worship? Now, this is music, but I'm using this to illustrate a point. I mean, what we're talking about is the world, and that's not worldliness. To listen to good music. But what I'm concerned with is that we become consumers and here's the problem: As you begin to move down the road of music, you begin to fellowship and worship with those people and who you sing. You begin to think about. And I find it very interesting that Charles and John Wesley, they considered Charles' ministry in writing hymns probably greater than John's when he was preaching four and five times a day, tirelessly. Because they believed that the, that, the doc, that the theology of the people were more shaped in what they engaged in in song and worship than necessarily just what fell on their ears as they're, as, they're, as they're preaching. And I think we need to be very, 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 very careful. Brothers and sisters, we want to run towards God. And I'd just like you to take your music and I'd like you just to take that thing and a whole CD stack and just lay it before the Lord and I'd like you to say, you know, it's not about what tickles my ear. It's about you, Lord. I was going to say something else and I forget what it was. Music. Money. What can I say? We've all got a lot more than they have across the ocean. But there are so are so many warnings about money and about what we do with money and and it's a huge topic. But brothers and sisters, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the things of the world are not of God. And they, break, they can break fellowship. These things, the little foxes can spoil the vine. Do you love culture? Do you love, like, you know, the, the, the popular term is hanging out. And let's go hang out. Well, what are you, you know, what are we hanging on here? <laughs> because we, we are we are connecting, and we are we are fellowshipping with what? You know, it, it's not a reality in our home congregation, but I long for the day when we don't have anything else to do. It's actually probably never going to happen, so we're going to have to make it on put it on the schedule. But I long for the day um, when we find ourselves at someone's house having a two or three meeting, two or three hour prayer meeting, just because we love the fellowship of the saints, just because we're gathering more often, because the days are upon us, just because we are we we would love to see all of the houses in this little. Uh, section on our road that tend to be lower income, we'd love to sit all around the communion table with them in three years from now if they would come. Just because we love Jesus. I long for the day. Love not the world. Entertainment. And this gets kind of meshes in with this music thing. But... I'm just going to speak again, very boldly, upon the authority, I guess you would say, of the early Christian Church. And my elder uses this often. Melanie's dad, and he says it was the one of the. There were two distinctive things that that caused people to start suspecting that you had become one of the believers in Romania. They call them the repentance. Because they have Christians over there. But these are different Christians. There's, they've got a gospel, some kind of a gospel, that makes them act different. They're, they're separate from the world. They're repentant. But anyway, there were two things. Number one, these people just started giving their money away. They just started heaping. They just started serving. They just started like giving, just ridiculously giving their money away. And they quit showing up at the uh, arena where the entertainment happened. I want to, I want to leave a, a thought with you in this. I just want to challenge each of you. Sometimes I think this whole issue of motion picture has been put into a category where it is, it is diced at the wrong places. And I'd like to cite you if you've never read it, to A.W. Tozer's little booklet called The Menace of the Religious Movie. And in that, it is a tremendous testimony to duplicity and acting and pretense. And he says, "Uh, we children of God should have nothing of it. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, that the movement of the picture is the problem. What I'm saying is the acting and, and entertainment and um, acting, basically. Well, that gets really close home. Because we enjoy skits. Man, I'm telling you, this brother is out of his mind, isn't he? But just think about it. Let's ask ourselves. Jesus says, let her yea be yea and her nay be nay. And I think what happens is we, we forget that a lot of that stuff hovers so closely around this line that we're losing a lot of our opportunity for our future. It is time for me to wrap up, but I do want to mention one more thing, and that is I want to mention Achan. And he adds something in his tent that wasn't necessarily evil in itself. But it belonged to that thing which God had said no to. He said, "I don't want any of that stuff coming in there." And Achan thought, "You know, I think I can, I think I can pull this off." And God found him. And I just want to challenge each of us today. I realize I mean I, we could, we haven't even gotten started. But I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to go to a few of these areas and challenge you to think in terms of opportunity. And what can I do, not just to be radical, because our definition in this country is of radical is, is not the authentic definition. The authentic definition means back to the basics, basically. Our definition means edgy, Kind of cool, kind of windswept hair, wild at heart, you know, radical. Or we can do that spiritually. Boy, I'm just going to be a superstar spiritually. And I want to be very, I want to be very careful about that. But what I want to say is, I think these people who are children of God, who want God, who want that fellowship, that koinonia with God, I think. They take these scriptures so seriously and they get really, really, really excited. Not to focus on that as Selfia did, but neither do they focus on it as Vanity did. They focus on the face of Jesus and they unquestioningly, even with enthusiasm, embrace something through faith that's a whole different picture. And it testifies. Because as He is, so are we in the world. And if that light in us be darkness, how great is that darkness. And if our testimony is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. God bless you.